If you want to learn how to gain insights you can act on and solve business problems with data, all while building a data-driven culture at your organization, sign up for Pragmatic Institute's new course, Data Science for Business Leaders. Find out more at pragmaticinstitute.com data. So next, we want you all to meet our alumni. We're going to go ahead and get started with some introductions, and I'll let Trey get started first. All right. Hello, everyone. As you can see, uh, my name is Trey Williams. I'm a recent grad from the fall 2021 cohort. I uh, was, was recently placed, so I've been at McKesson now for about four months. Yay. Um, I've grown up in Boston, attended Northeast University, uh, where I've, where I've uh, acquired both my bachelor's and master's degree. Um, and uh, yeah, currently looking to see, see the new talent here at TDI. Well, thank you for joining us today, Trey. And also today is Trey's birthday. So happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. No problem. So next, um, let's meet Matt. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt. And I graduated from TDI in the summer of 2020 from an online cohort. Uh, currently, I work at Comcast for the analytics and experimentation team for the entertainment division. So we work with a lot of data that has to do with our streaming platforms, our streaming, streaming devices, and all that kind of stuff. We work a lot with product teams, as well as with uh, folks that are using our analytics prep platform that we provide for uh, other internal um, clients. So uh, yeah, and I went to school in uh, University of Illinois for my undergraduate uh, degrees and for my graduate degrees, I went to Virginia Tech. Um, so very happy to be here and uh, discuss all these important um, matters today. So looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely nice seeing you again, Matt. So next, let's meet Barbara. Hi, yeah, so my name is Barbara Zemskova. I'm currently a visiting scientist uh, and a previously postdoctoral fellow at University of Toronto. I'm a recent graduate from the TDI, so I just graduated from the winter 2022 um, part-time cohort, so I actually just uh, finished at the end of May. Uh, so I, my background is I have a PhD in physical oceanography and um, bachelor's in uh, applied mathematics and environmental science, so very computationally heavy field. And I have been applying that. Um, and that really what stimulated me to go into data science. And I'm very excited to be here and talk about diversity. That's something that I've been struggling with to introduce in uh, my academic career as well. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. And we're happy to have you too, Barbara. So next, let's just jump right into the questions. So the first question I have for you all, and um, you can answer in no particular order, what is your definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion? And what does it mean to you? Okay, I think I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, so what, what does DEI stand for me? Um, well, I just think it's number one, just being accepting of a wide, you know, just understanding or accepting of a group of individuals that come from you know a broad spectrum of backgrounds, right? Regardless of their age, religion, ethnicity, race, sex, however, you know, that is defined. Um, and being able to work sort of inclusively and collaboratively in a, in a space, right? And, and especially in the analytics space, 
um, which is very important. And you know, sometimes you need varying varying views um, and different perspectives on life. And that's where that DE&I sort of comes into play, right? Um, similar to data, and you're, you're working with a regression, a multiple linear regression, right? You can only get so much, right? Sometimes you need additional variables and those additional variables might be the people on your team, right? That you may be missing or you're not utilizing those strengths. So it's just something that is holistic and sort of all encompassing when you think about it. Yeah, I think expanding on that, for me, um, you know, DEI in general, diversity inclusion, really means kind of breaking the barrier of what a particular, you know, stereotypical, say, data scientist looks like, or what a stereotypical, you know, academic scientist looks like, or any of those things. And I think that that is really important. Um, that is why, you know, we want to work on both recruitment and retention, and really not only work from bottom up, but also top down. So really um, diversify at all levels and really break the barrier of what that stereotype um, looks like. What, you know, because we, I think we all, when you think about computer scientists or data scientists, we might have a particular person in mind. And uh, I would, you know, I would really would like to strive to change that um, going forward. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I look at these three terms uh, as sort of, overlapping themes, but they are kind of a different facet of the same thing or the same theme. I think diversity for me really means that value, valuing differences as something as its own merit, right? We sometimes like to look at people and tend to just look at, like in an interview setting, for example, we just look at merits as like maybe their academic achievement or their job history, stuff like that. But I think if we want to say diversity is important, then we value differences in whatever shape, way, or form as, as something positive, as, as part of uh, the, you know, what we like to say merit, um, as, as a merit itself. And then I think for equity, that's really meaning, that's, I think that's one of the trickiest things because I think it really means thinking about a level playing field for everyone. And um, it's very difficult to understand what that means without really truly establishing a relationship with someone and understand uh, where they're coming from, uh, as well as understanding ourselves, where we come from and how our background differs from other people. And I think inclusion is uh, important for both of those things because it really means that um, you know, we sort of really try hard to drop all conscious and subconscious barrier about who's invited to the table, right? So, so I think these all three things are really approaching the same core theme, but uh, a very different perspective. Yeah, I can definitely agree with all of you. And I can just tell by your answers now that this is about to be a great discussion today. So just going into the next question, why do you think that DEI is a topic of conversation now? And let's start with Barbara. All right. Um, I mean, really, it should have been a topic for a long time, right? So I'm glad that it's finally coming um, to be the case. And I wonder if it's because maybe we're finally getting to a point where a more diverse group is getting graduate degrees, you know, going finally able to go to college. And maybe that's why we're, you know, they're able to push the boundary at the top or, you know, the upper level. And, um, but 
Yeah, so I, I think also because college degree is, and you know, advanced degrees are really a necessity nowadays to get um, good jobs. And so I think that it's not just for the top elite, it's not just for certain type of people to be able to get into those. So I think that it is important to have these um, conversations about people of different backgrounds, people of uh, different privilege levels and um, how they can get into really, um, to get those advanced degrees, to get those advanced careers. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely in my experience, this has become much more of a for like sent like core discussion in both academia and in the workforce and really everywhere. I, I would like to say maybe um the past like maybe 15 years or so, it really moved into focus. And part of it I think has to do with um, at least in the US, the political climate has been so divisive and uh, not just on kind of the obvious uh, sort of arena, like racial inequalities, like that kind of stuff, but also like, you know, when we think about um, diversity and equity, these type of things, it can be uh, like a class, uh, you know, conflict, like, you know, your upbringing, maybe you're more affluent, that really shapes the way you see the world versus if you are coming from, um, you know, not as affluent of an upbringing, that really changes your um, perspective on things. And for whatever reason, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons, but I, I won't go into it, but that, that the, the divisiveness in sort of our like discourse and, 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 and just the climate of, of, of our society right now also bring these things up front. So it's just beyond the obvious um, sort of um, different conflicts between different communities, no matter if it's race or um, sexual orientation, like all the obvious one. It's, I think there's something even more like broader that's happening right now. Um, I, and I, I think I, it's hard to say why that is, but I think it's actually a good thing because I think it's it's hard because we're in the midst of the growing pains right now but I think it really forces us to kind of really look at like how messy the whole thing is and forces us to really confront it and um, to really be very thoughtful and reflective about what diversity and what equity and what all these things mean to us and mean to how we interact with other folks no matter if it's in the workforce or whatever. All right, I'll be quick. Uh, I, I also think, uh, just to add on to Barbara and Matt, is it's a value add for companies. So companies are actually seeing productivity increase, right, from, from including diverse groups of individuals. Uh, these diverse individuals are then in, in the workplace. They're providing different insights. Everyone performs analysis in a different way. Um, all of those things are, are, you know, positive or value adds to a company. And so they're looking for some more of this talent. However, I think the real challenge comes with communicate, uh, hiring managers, communicating with HR, um, which, which I've dealt with, um, <laughs> right. And I have some experience with, and so it's, it's about trying to figure out sort of that balance. But I think largely these companies are understanding the value, number one, that that data science is bringing to the company. And then they're also seeing that, hey, if we hire from all of these different perspectives and backgrounds, then we can potentially increase whatever it is that we're doing. 
All right. So has there been anything that has influenced your thinking around DEI or motivated you to get involved in being an advocate for change? I, uh, I would just say lack of opportunity um, in inner city communities, um, especially with poor education systems. I, I feel as though uh, given the skills that I now have, thanks to TDI, um, you know, I, I have a chance to sort of give back to my community. And so, you know, I work with other friends, um, you know, from, from my community that look like me so I can, you know, build a curriculum for kids that work at like community centers or things of that nature. Um, because growing up in my environment, I wasn't necessarily exposed um, to, to these different varieties of careers um, and career paths. And, you know, uh, I feel as though it's my job, it's my duty now to sort of uh, give back in a way and then also use my my current position of power to then create a pathway for other individuals who want to break into the field. Yeah, similar. I mean, for me, it has been really seeing the lack of representation. So I have worked in very male-dominated fields um, in physics and applied math in particular. Um, you know, there are really very, very few uh, female faculty. There by the same extension, the retention rates, even for graduate students, is very low um, for females just because they're not seeing that um, really advancement opportunities. They're seeing that um, a lot of those jobs are going to male faculty who maybe have more time. Um, they don't have families and things like that. And I think that um, that really got me involved in, um, especially in physical oceanography, um, it is heavily male-dominated field. And so I've been involved with um, both mentoring female students also uh, because I'm not a native uh, English speaker, I have really uh, pursued, you know, helping a lot of foreign students or exchange students um, to pursue research or, you know, um, make sure that they stay in STEM field and advance their career. And I think it is really important to see um, a lot of those, like lack of representation, lack of opportunities, and um, get involved and give back. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, there wasn't really like a specific thing that happened. I, I definitely think if I rewind back to like maybe 2010, 2012, me, I definitely care a lot less about it and um, about diversity and all that kind of things because I feel like I, you know, even though I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm a person of color and, and, and you know, I'm, but I'm, I, I feel like I wasn't, I was so privileged. I wasn't in the midst of a lot of these um, conversation or I wasn't negatively impacted in in my field because of these things so I, I felt like I was overly protected from a lot of these things and um, I, I I think there was a lot of factor uh, but I as I I got a lot more involved with just grad student advocacy not just for diversity but like just for all kind of stuff and it's and then as I have more conversation with people, I begin to like understand more about how my experience is actually not shared with a lot of other people, even a lot of friends of mine who are very, I was very close with, who I sort of assume they might have the same experience, but they don't just because we have, we're, we're just different people, we have different upbringing, we had a different academic or whatever experience. Um, so I think that that's one of the biggest things I begin to be a lot more thoughtful as I uh, interact with people to think about how, where, where, where our experience might overlap and where it differs and how that might shape 
the way we interact. And I think that that was the biggest change. And, you know, I don't, I don't think um, I'm, you know, definitely still a lot to learn, but I, I think, you know, coming, starting from that time frame, I, I, I begin to think more about it. And I think that that kind of translates into, you know, all the things that's related to, as, as Trey and Barbara have said about diversity. Um, in our workplace or in, in, in the classroom or whatever. Yeah, that's definitely a great point, Matt, um, because it's important sometimes to recognize like, okay, maybe I am privileged in a certain way, but if you don't have those conversations, then you won't know. So don't minimize like, oh, I didn't go through this. You're having a conversation and that's what's important because I can definitely relate to Trey and Barbara with not really being presented with those opportunities or knowing about the opportunities or when you do know about the opportunities you go into um, whatever environment and you don't see anyone who looks like you you don't see any women so it's definitely important to have those conversations and so just do what you all are doing right now definitely impressive so we'll just go right into the next question how can we as data scientists work on our DEI and data and help remove some of the bias we see within that data I'll go really quick. Um, so, so I actually wrote wrote some things down. So, uh, number one was stop enforcing old perceptions, um, right? Of I think Barbara uh, pointed that out earlier about what what does a computer scientist look like? What does a software engineer look like when you think about it in your mind, right? And that it shouldn't look like anything, right? It's a title, um, and so we should just be saying, is this person can is this person capable? of doing the job of, of taking on these responsibilities. Um, diverse interview panels, um, which I think is very important, um, making sure that, you know, you see people like yourself there, right? Or as Barbara and Raven pointed out, are there any women on the team? Like I currently work on a team where the only female uh, BI analyst just left. So it's now a, a male dominated team, right? Um, and And so, if a woman were to come and interview, it would be interviewed by all men, right? Um, so is that really engaging uh, for her? Uh, and then considering international um, applicants. Uh, and and uh, the, the last thing was, which I found weird, was stating parental benefits in the job description um, because some women might have family planning that, that might be going on in the background. And if, if those things aren't upfront, uh, sometimes that could make, you know, some females or some women scared or, you know, nervous about getting involved with a potential position or bringing that up because they might feel as though they might get turned away um, by bringing up those, those um, or asking those types of questions. Uh, but yeah, those, those are uh, some points I want to bring up. I, yeah, I, so this is actually a very difficult topic because I think we're, we're in the midst of of, of confronting this, uh, you know, biases in data, uh, and I think data science and AI and automation and big data, all these things are so excited right now. There's a tendency to really view um, the technology and the outcomes from these technology from data science with so much excitement that we don't. It, really examine it with very critical um, discernment of what the data is actually saying, right? So I, I think I'm 
I think I'm generally on the in the camp that thinks these tools are generally quite neutral. Uh, there's nothing, you know, no technology is really value neutral. But I think um, we we talk about data and models as you know garbage in garbage out, right? Um, so in a sense that data science and its outcome or like a model and its outcome, it's really a reflection or an interpretation of the world as we live in right now. So if we just accept sort of the outcome of whatever data science technology or whatever model that we're running without you know, any reflection and, and, and discernment, then we are basically saying that we're okay with the way the world works right now. Right. So I, I think that's a very broad, broad things that we have to keep in mind. Like, are we, you know, I, I think most of us, when we design a model or anything in data science, we're not consciously trying to build in bias or anything like that into it. But things, because the data model itself is a reflection of the world that we just have to be really careful and just put that as uh, just discernment of the biases in our data and our and our models and our technology as a priority in order to make sure that we don't just take it for granted. So I think that that that's a that's a key. And I think we're beginning to have see a lot more conversation about this. But um in my workplace, I feel like I see I, I feel like we talk about it when we go to diversity panels or, or programs like that, but we don't talk about it as much as I would like to think we should when we when we have like very low level day-to-day -day operational meetings or or talking about the, the actual technical aspect of whatever projects we're on right now. But hopefully that will filter down. But I think, you know, what I can do is to um, be very conscious of that and just always put that as a priority, uh, even though uh, it might not seem like something that's so obvious when I'm just coding stuff, right? Or or just looking at data source, um, but it can pop out anywhere. And I think, uh, yeah, just just keeping an awareness of it has helped me a lot in the past. Yeah, and, and to add to that really quickly, um, I think that train that really covered a lot of what I was going to say. But I think one of the great things we can do maybe as data scientists is talk to our workplace and see if we can create some sort of internship program, say, to really promote like um, intro uh, students, for example, who might to get them excited. Maybe if, if your company is in, um, in the city, maybe from some uh, historically underprivileged colleges to really promote some sort of recruitment to get a, a wide variety of students excited and engaged in data science and really get them to maybe in the future pursue a career. Um, I mean, a lot of universities are not opening up uh, majors and programs in data science or go through TDI or anything like that and really to encourage um, them to go in, but you know, really show them that they can get their feet wet. Um, and it would also expose a lot of people who work at these companies to people of different um, backgrounds as well. And I think it would host some sort of diversity and inclusivity at the workplace. All right, thank you. So what are the barriers that limit our ability to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive? So pretty much just adding on to what you all just answered. I think for corporations, and this is actually the same problem we have in academia, I think, because what what are what's academia these days is not just a corporation, right? Uh, it, there's a lot of um, inertia 
and there's a lot of very more like cover our bases type of mindset. Like they treat, I, I think, um, at least in my, I, I shouldn't speak for all companies, but in, in Comcast, for example. So if Comcast is is a big company uh, and and it's huge and it has a lot of history and established power structure already in place, and they like to respond to sort of the societal call to value diversity by say, hey, look, we have, you know, a woman of color in a important post directing our diversity initiative and all that kind of stuff. So they like to do stuff like that that are visible. Uh, but I, I think stuff like that are potentially harmful because it can, I think I see a lot of companies do stuff like that in the data industry or, or whatnot and pretend that they've solved the problem, right? Like they are just like, we did that. We look, we have this thing, we have this program, here's the press release. And uh, how that filters down to the day-to-day -day experience of, you know, us data practitioners or, or folks we're interviewing with or whatever the HR practices, hard to say. And um, I think that's one of the biggest barrier is that companies would like to say that they value that because it is demanded from them by external forces. But it's these type of changes are hard and generally not glamorous and takes a lot of in, in, you know, incremental changes, persistence, patience, and those are not things that are um, that scores score points easily. So I think that's one of the biggest biggest barrier. A lot of things that I think Trey and Barbara mentioned earlier is just also plays into the fact it's it's a self perpetuating cycle, right? If you have a non undiverse team, uh, they're they're they tend to continue to be undiverse unless there's there's an incentive for them to do so, right? So that's another barrier. And again, is it goes back to this inertia thing. I, I, you know, I think the inertia, the, the the sort of undercurrent of why inertia is such a big barrier for this is that we ultimately are so driven by uh, sort of the bottom line incentives. Um, so nobody likes to say it, but if it's not like helping your bottom line in the company, then it kind of falls down off the, you know, up towards the bottom of the list, right? Because uh, that's just kind of how our society works, unfortunately. So, so there's just so much that we have to fight against, uh, so much upstream. Like we have to, you know, swim against the current, so to speak, uh, to get this work. Um, so I think those are those are some of the broader barriers that we're facing right now. All right, and I saw you unmute yourself, Barbara, so you can go ahead and um, add to that. Okay, I'll just be a quick. Yeah, I think going along what, with what Matt said, a lot of so much of, you know, getting into even a job is um, about who you know. And I think that if you don't look like most people on the team or most people like at a company, um, you know, if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, you don't really even know how to schmooze to those people because you might not have the same background. You might not have the same kind of points of conversation. And so you might not really know the right people. And I think that's one of the reasons really that like as a person who's trying to get into a field, it would be really hard uh, to find those connections because they're already not existing to begin with. 
Yeah, and only a couple of points uh, just to add on to Madam Barbara is, is nepotism is is huge, um, especially trying to get into a lot of these these fields. Um, they're they're heavily protected and guarded, as as Barbara was saying, right, with the networks, um, and then also just pleasing stakeholders. Uh, but Matt was bringing up and having multiple stakeholders to sort of uh, appease to, um, which which can be very difficult, right, and and uh, sort of up to uh, up to the individuals who actually break into these fields to actually bring down some of these barriers. So the change has to sort of come from within. Yeah, I can definitely relate to all of you. Um, it's like we're having the conversation now. Um, most people know what they have to do and that's where those statements come from, right? Like, cause that's what they wanna do. But it's like, it starts to create initiatives now and put those to work order that so we could really break down those barriers because just making a statement is not breaking down a barrier um, we need people to hold these companies or ceos or whomever accountable to the things that they say to just back up your words basically so yeah can definitely understand all of you um the next question so on a personal level what impact does dei have on you let's start us off trey <laughs> uh so what what impact does de and i have on me uh so so that's that's kind of a it's kind of a broad that's a really broad question um so as it relates to my my current career uh i would say that de and i has allowed me the ability to sort of work on a team um with varying you know counterparts and colleagues that, that have different experiences and perspectives backgrounds um different ages uh, which which has allowed me to sort of grow, um, not only as a data scientist, but as a person um, in my day-to-day -day life. And so in my day-to-day -day life, DNI, I would say I've, I've become a little bit more um, open-minded and aware of other individuals and in their lives. Uh, you know, I grew up a certain way. That doesn't mean everyone in my orbit um, sort of has to conf uh, conform to to my, you know, pinnacle of whatever success is or what I consider to be normal, right? Um, and so it's it's definitely helped me uh, in that in that aspect and and just being able to work with and 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 just have more open ended conversations with individuals without it being so divisive. Um, and then I would say uh, definitely in my mentoring and tutoring is to to give everyone a chance. Um, you know, I definitely want to be like, yeah, pro-black and I just want to help all the, all the black kids, but, um, that's not necessarily fair. Everyone deserves a chance. Everyone deserves a shot. Um, if they have the capacity, um, you know, if they have the willingness to learn and, you know, all these other attributes, I think it's very important that you, you give somebody your all, you give them your time, um, and help them get to the next level because eventually they'll, they'll hopefully pay it forward. Correct. Um, so. Yeah, I definitely agree with Trey. I mean, it, it has been quite a humbling experience because, you know, you get somewhere and you feel so proud of yourself. You feel like you've made it, but then you hear um, about the diverse backgrounds, the diverse experience of other people. And you're like, oh, wow, they have gone through all these things and they have had, you know, certain obstacles, certain maybe discrimination, um, whatever they have had to face. And it's quite humbling that they're there next to you and you know, you're know you just giving yourself pat on the back over here. Um, and I think it definitely puts a lot of things into perspective of um, the hard work and really 
wants you to encourage these individuals um, or in, like Trace had paid forward, you know, mentor um, other people so that they also have the support system to get to that level. Because I think ultimately it just takes, you know, a couple of people to support and help somebody along. And I think that makes a huge difference between uh, being left behind as a person of color, as a woman or as a veteran um, who doesn't have the same opportunities. And it really, you know, it pushes me to be that person to help them along so they, um, you know, get their PhD or finish a program or, you know, get into a new advanced program. And I think that's, um, at least that has been the biggest impact on me. Um, yeah, for sure can um, relate to what you are saying. I think for me, it's just growing up, you hear certain things, like going back to what you say, like what a data scientist look like. So you hear certain things like girls don't do that or um, you're not able to, you know, do this, um, you know, as a person of color. And that kind of sticks with you. But I think DEI now is showing you like, OK, yeah, that was a problem and that's not how things were supposed to go. So let's change those conversations. Uh, what we've been saying forever, like you can do anything you put your mind to. But now it's it's true. Like you can really do anything you put your mind to and just letting the younger generation know, like we're in this with you. Like we know the barriers that you all are gonna face. So this is exactly what you have to do to combat it on your end and basically let them know when things are unfair because sometimes you think it's you most of the time. Like if someone's being unfair to you, you think maybe I'm just overly sensitive or I'm not strong enough, but no, it's, it's not you. You're thinking correctly move on, don't be where you're not wanted, but at the same time, make sure you're, you know, creating those opportunities or lanes for yourself. So, and I'm sorry, Matt, I started speaking before you had a chance to speak. Did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, and I, I think I already touched on um, yeah. my, my personal journey on this a little bit. Um, I, I definitely think when I joined the industry, um, you know, I was so sort of, I, you know, my, my graduate school and my graduate degrees, um, you know, I, I have, uh, my PhD was in civil engineering and it wasn't very data heavy. So I really credit, you know, TDI and a lot of other, other, you know, things that I did in the interim for my career switch. But I definitely felt that, you know, people took a chance on me. Uh, look, just looking at my background, I didn't have that much you know, aside from, 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 you know, from the fellowship and all that experience. So I think even that is a, like a positive impact of people valuing uh, diversity in a very not obvious sense, you know, uh, I think I'm actually, you know, even though I'm not like, you know, white or anything like that, but like a male Asian, like East Asian, like that's very stereotypical <laughs> in the industry. There's just a lot of us, like in my team right now, uh, well, our team is really small right now because of we need to backfill roles, but there's three of us, three data scientists, and we're all Chinese male. <laughs> so it's just, it's one of those things. But, you know, I think uh, there's just so many perspectives and areas and direction you can look uh, in terms of diversity. And and I benefited in, in people taking a chance and saying like, hey, you can bring something to the table, even though you didn't have this sort of traditional data science statistics or what have you background yeah all right so I definitely want to get this question um answered before we move on to answering all the questions in the Q&A do you have any advice for those who want to be DEI advocates but aren't sure where to start 
I would say, depending on where, where it is that you're attempting to, to be an advocate, number one, understand if it's at the company, understand the policies, know who you need to speak to, understand sort of a chain of command, if, it, if it's a vertical, you know, sort of a top down, um, and, and then work with other individuals, see if you can build sort of a support team um, and, and sort of build a form uh, where you guys can sort of discuss these topics. Um, if it's at a company, if it's at sort of a local level, if you have skills that you can bring to a table, if you can, you know, volunteer at a local, you know, community center, library, um, anything of that nature, um, and, and sort of work from there and, you know, create your own sort of positive change at the root, uh, that, that can also be a DEI advocate. Um, but if you're also in the politics, that's a different ballgame. Um, and, you know, I'm going to leave that up to you. I think my advice, um, there's two main things, is the first thing is to remember that it's not, you're not obligated to do more than what you feel comfortable in this. I think it's very valuable if, you know, if you want to really challenge the status quo and be very outspoken about this. Um, but you're not obligated to. Nobody's really asking for you to do that. You shouldn't feel pressured to do that. If you feel very convicted and you want to do that, that's fine. But you shouldn't feel guilty that you're like, oh, I'm not doing enough and whatnot. I think that's okay. You, everyone should just, you know, think about what they're comfortable of doing and do their best within their comfort level. And then if you're at the point where you can break up you know, through that barrier and say like, I can, okay, I'm, I'm good. I, I have enough foundation. I have enough support that I think I can, you know, step out of my comfort zone. Then I think that's, that's a good way. I, I think oftentimes for, for people in minority communities, the onerous is so on them. It's people always like, oh, what do you think? Oh, can you come speak at this diversity panel? Oh, can you head on that diversity committee and blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it can be a lot. It can be very overwhelming and, and can, you know, really burn people out a lot. So I, that, that's my advice is if you feel like you're convicted, then by all means, but you shouldn't feel like there's like a negative sort of feeling that you're not doing enough. It, it's okay to do, you know, just the amount that you're comfortable with. And the second part is, is, is really helpful is to find like-minded people in your workplace. Uh, it's much easier if you have allies uh, to talk about things and to join forces. Once you find one person, then it's much easier to find a third person and it's much easier to find a fifth and a 10th and then, you know, 20 person. And uh, it's just much easier to have more people and you will feel less alone because you're not alone. Uh, so that's, that's my biggest advice is to, you know, do the, do what you feel you're comfortable with doing and to find allies. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I mean, I definitely agree with Matt on the, um, limitations because, you know, sometimes people just might not feel comfortable speaking up, or sometimes you might feel like if you do speak up, it would be taken as you're whining about, you know, like the unfairness that you're facing or, uh, whatever people would be really dismissive. So I think, for me on a personal level, if, I mean, if you want to join an organization, I think that's a great way to go. I think that's, you know, finding a uh, like-minded people with that, you know, keeping in mind that 
um, you know, there are many different organizations really working towards similar goals. So just because you join one, like that's not the only um, DI way to go. Uh, but I think that also um, on a more personal level, you know, really be observant. Like if you see somebody who is being treated unfairly, private, maybe even in private, go um, talk to them, kind of what Raven was saying, like, just tell them that it's not you, like, you know, it's not you, this is a system um, that you, is treating you unfairly. And just really um, maybe even have a conversation with them and just support somebody, you know, if you can do that in a private life, um, even at work, um, I think that would really make really big difference for that person because they would know that they're being taken seriously, at least by somebody. Yeah, really great points from all of you. Um, I, if anyone wants to become an advocate, I would definitely say start with just maybe just speaking up to just injustices around you. So if that can be something as small as just not laughing, you know, like at a joke or just saying that this is not funny or this is not okay. So anything just small like that, if you want to start advocating, I think that's a great start because that's, mo I guess, motivation to yourself. Like you feel good about yourself when you go home and you feel like you stood up for something. So that's why I say you can start or of course, always revert back to like your own communities as well, where you work, of course, but your own communities is like a great start. People are there who love you, you know, who respect you. And it's just, I feel like this is great practice, right? Before you start branching out, if that's something that you really want to do. All right, so um, the last question, how do you think TDI could do better with our DEI initiatives? Let people know what let people know we're a welcoming option for those underrepresented in data. So what can we do to let people know we're a welcoming option for those underrepresented in data? It's hard for me to say because it's been a couple years, mm -hmm. uh, but I think um, one area is to see more diversity in the uh, instructors, um, staff. I think I have awesome instructors. Some of them, I don't think is even here anymore, but they're great. They're great people, very knowledgeable, great teachers, um, but would be nice to see uh, just more diverse um, racially or uh, ethnically or anything like that. Uh, you know, I think it's just there's 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 something to be said of representation, I think, and, and, and that's something I think um, that is very concrete that I think DDI, TDI can think about, think about committing to. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that, um, you know, going back to what um, I was saying and Trey and Matt were saying earlier, you know, it's all about what that concept of a typical data scientist looks like. And I think that, um, you know, diversity in instructors would really break themselves as being one. And I think that would be really helpful. Not to say that anybody needs to be replaced, but, you know, if you were to be hiring more people in the future, be really mindful of um, the diversity in hiring for the instructors, I think would be great. I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, as I thought it was, I thought the, the, the entire process from beginning to end was, was fine. Uh, I guess the instructors portion, it kind of, it kind of has, um, I guess, um, it's, it's tough. I don't think, I think TDI does a really great job. You know, it's, a, it's basically a blind, blind exam, you know, you, you, Instructors aren't necessarily chosen in any given order to interview you or get your power, you know, your presentation ready. I don't know. It's really tough. I, I feel like TDI is already there. 
Um, the hiring staff, I mean, we're looking at Raven and Sierra. They have a, a, a very, very diverse workforce. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. I think you guys are, are good where you're at. Uh, I guess that would be the only piece would be the instructors. Um, but I think TDI is is good where, where you guys are at right now. Just continue with the work practices. I think there, I, I don't know if this is already in place. I don't think it was when when I was in, in 2020, but there definitely can be like a couple like workshops or even like a focused lecture about biases in data, because I think that's such a tricky subject. And as I said earlier, I think there's more conversation. I see a lot of good articles coming out, but I think it's all very like peripheral and hard mm. to apply to like the workplace. Like how do I spot that in like a model that's in production? How do I spot that in our data source? Like that kind of stuff. Like that would be something that would be very, very valuable, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you all's honesty and I appreciate um Trey. I'm I'm happy that it was hard for you to answer that question. I mean that we're doing some things right. So that's a good thing. <laughs> But um, I could definitely understand that. So I appreciate your loss, honesty. And um, that's going to be the end of our questions. I opened the Q&A for um, everyone else, our attendees, to ask you all some questions. So I'll just read these questions off. Um, and if you have anything to add to it, you can. If you don't, completely understandable. So um, when looking at the lack of diverse data scientists, does anyone use data to understand the cause of those observations and how they relate to systematic discrimination? I don't know about the data off the top, top of my head, but I don't think this is an isolated uh, challenge. It's just, it's just a shared challenge with all like um, information technology industry because it's always been very male dominated. Um, and, you know, along with other diversity challenges. So it's, it's you know, that's kind of the history of, of this, this field, right? Data science is kind of like split off from like IT, that type of, that type of uh, realm. So the same type of inherited, inherited a lot of the same type of uh, diversity um, problems and challenges. Um, so I think a lot of the data studies that are applicable to traditional computer scientists, software developers, and so on and so forth would, would apply to data science as well. Um, hard to say that there's no, nothing that is specific to data science or data, data engineering or data practitioner type of, 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 of positions. Hard to say there's nothing specific to that, but I imagine that it's the same type of, of, of challenges that we, we've seen previously in, in you know, software development, web development, that type of roles. Anyone want to add anything to that before I move to the next question? So um, it was a two-part, like it's the same person. So during job search and interviewing, how should I go around discrimination toward a complex case that involves experience, age, sexual orientation, accent, and country of origin? I need more elaboration on that. Like, are you, are you interviewing someone and it's, the panel is being discriminatory to the candidates or your candidate and you feel like you're being discriminated against. So it sounds like there may be the candidate and they just want to know, like during the interview process, like how do you go around like those type of questions? Oh, I feel like if you're being asked things that are illegal mm -hmm. or, or clearly discriminatory, 
criminal right. might not want to work there. <laughs> I would definitely. That's a red flag. I yeah, it is a red flag for sure. So I would definitely, if I were you, maybe just look up those illegal questions because um, there is like a legal way to ask those questions and it's an illegal way to ask it. If you're in an interview and you feel like um, you may be discriminated against because they're asking those questions illegally, like Matt said, it's a red flag. Like, do you really want to be a part of that type of company or that type of environment? And you can also, you know, take, a, you know, if you write you a letter to whoever your interviewer is and just let them know maybe why you don't want to accept the position and how you feel about that. Um, biases exist, right? Like some people are kind of like ignorant to those type of biases or those questions. So it's pretty much up to you to like kind of put your foot down stand your ground, let them know when they're wrong and walk away if you don't feel wanted, my perspective. Yeah, I think the fact that you're asking this question is a, a great reflection on you're keeping this in the forefront mm -hmm. because you don't want to accept a job just because like, oh, I can't have a job right now because I've, I've had friends who accepted jobs where it was such a nightmare. Like, and they, you know, once you're in a job, it's, you have to go through the whole barrier. Like, do I want to quit? Or do I like, you know, it's, it's, it's it's best to figure stuff out like that early, and um, you know I, I agree with I, I I agree with what Reagan said that you know this is an opportunity to to, to let them know, but if you don't feel com comfortable doing that, that's also okay. Like it's not on you to tell them like, hey, you you all need to shape up, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, Get it together. Uh, no, you don't have to. You definitely don't have to. But if you want to, then you can use your voice. So the next question is, what are the main challenges a diverse applicant is likely to face in the fellowship and how may these be addressed? I don't think there are any upfront challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I, I felt welcomed from day one. Uh, everyone in the, everyone that, all the fellows for the most part uh, were for the most part understanding, easygoing, I, I had some pretty, pretty good interactions with with most of my colleagues, if not all. Um, I'm pretty sure you're not going to reach all, you know, 20 semi-odd people and have one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, but from the instructors down to the to the the entire staff at TDI, I would say it was, I didn't feel any different than anyone else. I think an interview process, not specific to TDI, is inherently hard to be completely discriminatory discrimination-free just solely because of the language aspect. So if you're a, you are a candidate that, you know, don't have English as your first language or, 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 or have challenges with, with, you know, just oral presentation, then you, you are at a disadvantage. There's just no way to, no, not a way to get around like any interview situation. That's just part of the, the, the game, you know, this is a broader topic about like whether or not interviews are like the best way to go about it. But this is the game now. This is the rules, you know. So I think um, that's one thing. Uh, if if that's if you're in a disadvantage in that respect, then um, there are ways to practice and to know that um, there might be more things you have to do to kind of level the playing field. Of course, there's more things that um, the interviewers can do to make sure that they are being as you know combated in her discriminatory nature of, of, of the structure itself. But, you know, as a candidate, there's not a lot you can do about that uh, other than to uh, know that 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 is in the structure, that is in the process and, and to, you know, just do your best to compensate for that. I think. Yeah. 
for sure um, can understand that. So we make sure our interview process, you know, make sure there's really no biases, but I can definitely see where you're coming from. Just, just try to be pre as prepared as possible, like with the interview process, because it is fair, right? So if someone is better, then they are just better, but it's definitely fair and no biases. So I do want to thank the panelists for sharing their perspectives. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. This was a great conversation. I'm pretty sure our attendees enjoyed it. Um, I do want to share a little bit about what TDI is doing to remove barriers and provide opportunities for women, veterans, LGBTQIA+, and those from racial and ethnic backgrounds who traditionally are underrepresented in data. So we are very excited to announce that we've launched two new scholarships for our data science and data engineering programs. We will be offering our new Women of Excellence in STEM scholarship and our Equity and Diversity in Data scholarships in fall 2022. Our scholarship applications are open now, so please visit our website um, to review the qualifications and apply today. So I'm very proud of this announcement. I couldn't wait to get to it. So for anyone who is applying for the Data Incubator, go ahead and apply for these scholarships as well. So um, just to give you an overview of like the program outcomes, the Data Incubator's programs are designed to train academics for careers as data scientists and data engineers in the business world. Each student completes a capstone project that applies to data science tools they've learned to a real world problem of their choosing. This is a great portfolio piece to add to your resume to showcase your ability to work with real-world data. In our data science program, 88% of our graduates are working as data scientists or data engineers within six months of completing their program. Our graduates are working in over 55 different industries, including software, IT, internet, financial services, biotechnology, and many more. TDI graduates earn 16% more than industry average graduates and have an average annual salary of $125,000. So we will post a link in a chat um, just for our alumni outcome, outcome so you can see what they're up to today. Um, again, I wanna thank our panelists and attendees for attending this webinar today. Um, just as a reminder, uh, we will be sending out the recording of this session. So if you would like to rewatch it or share it with someone, um, you'll be able to, we will send that out to all of our attendees. Um, the application deadline is July 29th for regular admissions. And then the challenge will be due by August 1st. Just to give you the dates of when our cohort, cohort will run, September 19th through November 11th for full-time and September 19th through February 2nd for part-time. Also, remember to apply. Um, I know you still have a little time there, but those dates come up before you know it. So go ahead and apply. And like always, if you have any additional questions, you can send an email to admissions at thedataincubator.com. And we did post the link in the chat if you need it for our alumni outcomes um, to apply for the data incubator and apply for the scholarships. And we're just two minutes shy of three o'clock. So I won't hold you any longer than you need to be held. Um, it was really nice speaking with you all today and I'm hoping to see you all again soon. Mm -hmm.